We are live on Facebook. Are we live on Facebook? We're live. We're live. <laughs> so I believe that we are live on Facebook right now, as well as with all of our fans here on Instagram. Yes, we are. Oh, my goodness. So every once in a while, Facebook slows down a little bit. So I'm never really sure if we're live or not. We have so many great friends who are joining us on this Zoom call that will get to interact with you, uh, James, very, very soon. So ladies and gentlemen who are joining us here on Zoom and all of our friends who are joining us all over the world on Facebook, I'm really excited that I'm back. Yeah, I sometimes take a few days off to, to collect and find the most outstanding people within my network. And I have one more incredible person I'm going to be excited, very, very excited to be introducing to you today. James Taylor came into my life a few years back when he showed up as a speaker at the APSS uh, event, which is the Professional Speakers of Singapore. I was very new at Singapore at the time, but when I heard him speak, I was like, I need to be friends with that guy. Not only do I want to learn from him, but I need to be friends with him. When I did my research, I found out that not only James is incredible when it comes to coming up with very, very unique, creative ways around business transformation, but he's also a very well-known speaker about creativity. He's had his own uh, fame on BBC even itself. He's been around the world for quite a bit, giving more than 500 speeches and interviews uh, around the world. He's interviewed many, 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 many incredible CEOs and world leaders and New York best time, uh, best sellers uh, for many of the marathons that he's launched. And from what I've heard, uh, James, you did you actually launch a business at the age of 17? I did, yes, I did. That's awesome. Yes. That's super exciting. We're going to talk about that. So ladies and gentlemen, we have James Taylor in the house joining us. We're going to have some fun with him. James, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Gil, and lovely to speak to you. I know you're over there in beautiful Bali just now. I'm joining you today from, from Scotland. I'm guessing that your weather is slightly better than I'm having just now in Scotland. I'm thinking um, today, today, it's actually cloudy. It's a little bit gray and it's been drizzling the whole day. So ah. most days, yes, most days it's sunny. It's beautiful. It's happening. It's happy. It's, uh, it's coconuts in the heads with palm trees in my house. But today it's a little bit, a little bit not so beautiful. But you look all lit up. You look like you've had great weather. You look like you're enjoying life so much. It is. I mean, it's interesting just now. I just saw a stat the other day. It said only 8% of people want things to go back to the way they were before all this kind of lockdown and all the things that we're obviously going through just now. I just thought that was very interesting that, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, Gil, but it's made us rethink so many different aspects of our businesses and our, and our lives just now. And there, there is, we're not going back. We're going to this, this, this new place. And I, I'm actually very excited about it because there's so many new opportunities uh, that are available in this new space when you just think a little bit more creatively in a slightly more innovative way. So, so yeah, so we're going through some interesting times. So I'm, I'm definitely a believer that we are not going back to anything that used to be normal. Um, I don't believe when people say I'm waiting till everything will be okay. I'm like, stop waiting, please take action. I believe in pivots. I believe in design thinking time right now. I believe that people need to be thinking what do I want my life to be? You know, I don't want to say post COVID, but what do I want my life to be in 2021? Because I'm a real believer that every single person on earth will get COVID and we're just going to build immune systems to it. And that's it. And then it's going to, we're going to move on in life. So, you know, right now it's, it's time to be optimistic. It's time to be positive what's going on. And it's time to think way outside of the box. When it comes to thinking outside of the box, I don't know many people in the world who are leading in that level of the chart, like someone like yourself. So James, if we could just kind of open things up and tell me a little bit about, you know, what you believe is currently the most important thing that people should be looking into. If they have to look at on their business, I'm speaking to entrepreneurs out there. I'm speaking to uh, speakers and coaches and trainers and business people who have maybe suffered in the last few months. If we have to look not, you know, in the business, but look on the business right now, how can people use their creative side of their mind to, to see things differently? 
well, you picked up on that word creative or creativity. It's, it's very interesting just now. All, I work mostly with multinational companies. I work some other, you know, where I advise other thought leaders, other you know, big kind of entrepreneurs. But in a lot of my clients, uh, companies like IBM, you know, Bank of America, um, uh, you know, Tata in India. And what's really interesting just now is they're using this time to, to get very creative on things. You know, they've, they always, it was the word be getting, you know, creative and thinking in a more creative way about the business. It was always talked about in the past, but now they're having to get really creative uh, in, on all different a- aspects. And so whether that's on something like uh, what we call costivation, which is about how to reduce your costs and, and be much leaner and much more efficient in what you're doing, or whether it's about how to generate those new ideas for new products, new services, new partnerships. I know you talk a lot about partnerships. Um, so what's fascinating for me is we're seeing this, this real push just now with creativity. Uh, you're seeing prime ministers and presidents talk about it. So I think you're seeing the push on creativity, that coming to the fore. The other thing that you're going, that is also coming alongside that is productivity, um, which uh, basically what's going to happen, this is how I feel. I know that people have different opinions on this. All these countries around the world are loading up on debt just yes. now, lots and lots of debt and maybe households are loading up businesses are loading up on lots of mm-hmm. debt just now. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of ways you can get over debt and deal with debt. If, you, if you're in that situation as a company or a country is one is you hopefully in- inflation increases. And so you can essentially inflate away your debt, uh, which countries like Argentina and other countries in the past have done before. Um, but there's another way that you can also do it, which is improving productivity. And by improving productivity, you just become more productive, more, more money comes in, more wealth comes to you, more abundance comes into you. And so that debt actually becomes a much smaller part of your overall business because it's kind of small. You really, so you basically build, you grow yourself out of the situation. And that's the, a lot of the companies I speak to, they've already gone through or, com- or governments that I sometimes work with, they've already gone through the process of austerity and that's fine. And that's the cost part. But now they're just saying, we need to increase our productivity. We need like every single person that is on our team is in our company. You know, every citizen that works um, has to, has to become much more productive. And that's how you use things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics, IOT, um, natural human creativity. So I'm actually quite optimistic for a number of uh, companies I work with who are really seeing this and just saying, listen, we don't have to do it the old way. Let's blank sheet of paper. Let's talk about what this, this new future is going to look like for us. I, I love how you connected uh, creativity to productivity. I, I, I kind of had to think about it a little bit because being productive right now is something that could be really challenging for a lot of people because, you know, a lot of my team, for example, couldn't be productive because we're big in events, we're big in tourism. And they were like, well, people can't travel. People can't go to events. Okay, stop. And for us, it was quite serious, actually, because we actually actually had to look at, one, the values of the company to make sure that we have people who are thinking creatively or are thinking you know, outside of the box. And how do we solve this? How do we, how do we still maintain something in a business? So if we, we, we stay on creativity here, because the productivity one for me is, is, a, um, is a kind of a subsection almost. Um, if we... St- if we stay on creativity, can anyone be creative? Can anyone, you know, people who are listening right now with us are like, well, I'm an accountant, I'm this, I'm not really the creative one. He needs to be creative. Is there something like a secret recipe or a formula that people can activate or maybe some really cool questions that we can ask ourselves where people can activate their creative self? So you, you kind of touched on it the other bit. So here's my secret we are all born creative. That's mm. the secret. Every I single person it. is born with unlimited creative look potential. Into, look into James's eyes. Yeah. He's it's, convincing it's, itself. So the only proof, I know you've got children. Spend time, you know, spend time with a four-year-old or a five-year-old. Give them some paints or some crayons. They will lose all track of time. They're in what psychologists would call a flow state as they're creating, they're in, doing, building a fort, whatever they're building. So what happens is, as adults, as we become a little bit older, when we go to school, depending on the school system you're in, you'll get taught conventions. This is the way mm-hmm. that is. These are the rules. Fine. Um, and actually, as a in child development, you actually start to see 
the child often is painting quite abstract or thinking in quite abstract ways. And then they start drawing houses, fixed things. They, they are taught conventions this is the way that it has to be. It's all part of growing up. Uh, in America, they have a thing called the, the fourth grade slump where you actually start to see the, the creativity levels decline on a child. But that's what part of, it's called the fourth grade slump, they call it in America. Mm. You start to see the, the creativity levels decline. But as adults, you know, you know what, and anyone watching this, we need to go and become post-conventional. So essentially, we need to see conventions and rules America. as useful signposts, but we're willing to break some rules. Or we're willing to challenge conventions. Like, well, why does that have to be this way? And you mentioned it there just earlier, this idea of, of questions, and which ties into obviously the curiosity as well. So there's a, there's a technique that I work and I, I share with a lot of um, companies, people uh, like, like MIT, they, they'll teach it. Um, someone like Hal Gregerson, who's a professor at MIT, teaches it. Coca-Cola use it with their executives. And it's called asking curious questions. Um, mm. So the, the writer Voltaire said, judge a person by the... Yeah, yeah, basically, Vol Voltaire basically said, judge a person by their questions, yeah. not their answers. And yeah. I think some like, obviously, you, you work a lot with Tony Robbins, you know, the quality of your life is the quality of your questions. So it's, it's a classic thing. So as what happens as we get older, we just get a little bit lazy in asking questions and being curious. And then that's compounded. If you get into any senior leadership position in an organization, what starts to happen is everyone looks to you and say, Gil has all the answers. You know, we, we don't have to, you know, get qu question your Gil has. And so as a result of that, you get further up, you stop asking as many questions often, or you can get into the danger of stopping as asking as many questions. So one of the things I just start when I do with organizations or when I coach people is get them curious again, get them asking a more catalytic style of questions is sometimes called. Um, and, and that can start from different places. It could start from really kind of looking, you mentioned values there or the assumptions. Well, is that really true? Is that really the case? Is that really how you think that value there that you think is so important? Who did you learn that value from? Is that it might have served you well up to this point and you've taken your company up to 10 million, but is that going to take you up to a hundred million, you know, a billion? Is that still the same thing? So it starts with asking questions and, and it's kind of funny because I, I just did a, a talk the other week. I did it for a really large steel company. So very traditional. Most people in the room didn't necessarily consider themselves to be creative by the end that they did. And I almost did the same thing that I did with those steel executives as I did when a week before I was speaking to 2000 school children from across the UK. And it was all about getting them to reconnect with their curiosity and their questioning mm. ability and starting them to ask questions. And suddenly, poof, you have all these ideas. And so it's just starting to get that, that, that muscle working again, because it can come a little bit lazy if it's not used properly. That's really cool. Can you, so you give a couple of examples of these kind of why questions are going deeper into it. Is there something out there that maybe you've written in, in you know, your articles and, and it, like a couple of good questions that spark, like what are those top two, three questions that you could ask someone to get a creative, to get a creative discussion maybe going? People could do that within their teams maybe. Yeah. So, you know, the classic, you can go to like Toyota Five Whys. Why, why, why? So, okay, well, why are we going into that market? Well, why are we working with that partner? Well, why do we believe that partner is the best partner to work within that market? Well, why, why, why? Be the five-year-old in the room, why? You, other ones you could do when I worked in Silicon Valley, a classic question that was asked all the time is, what if? What if we did that, mm. but we also did that? What that. if is a really great question. I, yeah, another one you can do, which I, and it's, it's a question that's not maybe said enough, especially in, in group settings, is what does success look like? Because sometimes you can find in communication with, with teams is one person thinks that the goal is this thing or the success looks like this, where another person thinks that the success looks like something completely different. So you need to get everyone on the same board. So that's really like culture, vision, that's what a good leader should be doing. You know, um, I interviewed a CEO of a billion dollar company last week for an event I was doing, I was emceeing this big virtual conference. 
Um, and we were just, we were just talking about that. And he was saying that my, his role as a entrepreneur is to get my vision that's in my head into the minds, into the hearts of the people that work for me. And so that they can be the legs and they can, they can build that and, and get that, that solidarity and that alignment that you need to, to have take place. And so questions like that could be good. Another type of question you could go is, um, uh, is instead of um, how could we do this if we did it more like this other company from this other industry? Or, you know, how, a question I ask all the time is I have a certain number of role models in my life that I look to. So people like Oprah, um, but you could look at someone like uh, Marcus Aurelius, who was a great uh, Roman emperor. You could ask Elon Musk, if you're an Elon Musk fan, what you say, how would Elon tackle this problem? And almost in your Mm -hmm. mind, have a virtual mastermind in your head of your board of directors or your board of advisors. And there could be imaginary, it could be people from history. And, and you just close your eyes and say, how would Bruce Lee deal with this? How would Oprah deal with this? How would Brené Brown think about this? How would Tony Robbins do this? Suddenly, a lot of the, the, the things are inside you. You can know them, but you just need a way of voicing them in some way. I love that so much. How would this person deal with the situation? So this is something fun, by the way, that everyone who's listening right now, wherever you are on whatever chat, can you guys put it into the chat right now? Well, who, who is that person for you? So if you have specific opportunities or problems you got to solve in your business, and sometimes you put, you put yourself in someone else's shoes. And it's interesting, you know, James, I, I like to do that. Sometimes I put myself in the shoes of other employees in the company to be thinking how would they handle such a situation. Many times I do that. Uh, I love putting myself in the shoes of CEOs of competitors of ours. Um, I know many of them. Sometimes I'll just call them and ask them directly instead of making the assumption. But I love the role models. And I do that a lot, of course, with people like Tony Robbins. I'm constantly asking them uh, about such things, you know, like tell me, like, I'm telling myself, I tell my team, guys, you know, if, if, if Tony was sitting with us right now, you know, what would he say? And my team actually reacts in very cool ways sometimes because they've all been to his events. We're all big fans. Of course, we've been working with Tony for so many years. But yeah, if you're looking at the chat right now, whether you're on Zoom, on Facebook, somewhere else, put in right now, who is that person for you that you try to put yourself in the shoes of? And I really like the what if. Um, I haven't used it that way. Uh, the why, 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 I've heard of that before, and I think that's super useful for everyone who's listening. The what if this happened really allows our minds to expand like crazy right now. Yeah. James, as, as someone who I see as a futurist, I look at you and I think that creativity, and when I've heard you speak many times in the past, both online and offline, you're someone who doesn't only, you, 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 you don't just see the future, but you actually, and you mentioned before, you bring the future into your current business and productivity, how you automate things, how you use virtual reality to AI to, you know, you, you really use the future in your business today. If people out there have to bring the business into their present, you know, if people have to be thinking in a futuristic way as in, cause if they're not, they're going to just, they're going to wait until the government saves them. They're going to wait until things are okay. They're going to wait until their business really crashes. If they had to think in a futuristic way, how can people, or, well, not how, I would say this. What businesses today do you believe are we going to be the ones that would flourish the most and why? You know, because there's some industries that are clearly going to grow. There's some industries that are going to change. I'm curious to know which ones do you believe in the most and why right now? So the, obviously the, the obvious ones, and many of my clients are in the tech uh, feel in one side or another, um, financial services, uh, like banking, fintech, uh, all those kind of spaces. I think that those, those are going to be very strong. That's where a lot of the growth, if you look at the markets, that's where a lot of the growth is being perceived to come from things like hospitality, travel, much more challenging, uh, over the next few years as well. The, the way, the way I look at it is, is there's a, there's a great investor called Ray Dalio 
you probably know know his, uh, as well. I think he's done stuff with, with Tony in, in the past as well. He, he wrote a wonderful book called Principles. Um, and he talks about this all-weather fund, this all-weather, a way of building a fund. Let's say if you have assets, let's say you've got $100,000, how would you invest that $100,000? So that regardless of what happens in the economy, whether the economy is going up or going down, because like we're going, going through a, a down cycle just now, but the same is going to happen. It's going to go up and then five years time, it's going to go down again. You know, it's just, this is, this is, this, this is the way things are. Um, so what he does is he thinks, how can I invest in industries and companies that are going to give me a blend that is going to always mm. keep going up regardless of what happens in the market. So in my business, and this is the way, and I think about this also with the clients I work for, I like to have a little bit of a mix. So I like to have clients where, which are kind of closer to, um, let's say that they're, they're kind of boring, <laughs> you know, types of industries. So that could be in things like uh, energy, for example, different types of energy companies uh, where I work with. It could be in um, aggregates. It could be in financial, like audit, accounting, that, that kind of world. Kind of boring, but it just kind of keeps going up every time. Um, but it's, then all, it's I also, all, you're mentioning a lot of service-oriented companies, yeah. which is super important. Companies who are able to adjust themselves and are able to really serve people in this new economy. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if you just want one thing to do that will put you a bit further ahead is if we, if we go back to Edison, Thomas Edison, you know, supposed inventor of the light bulb, although he didn't actually really invent the light bulb, but um, he, he got all the credit for it. Uh, so if you were back then, if you did whatever your business was and you just, yes, my business is this, but with electricity or, and with electricity, you were going to win in that market, frankly, because it was a new technology. It was a new thing. It made things much more efficient, much better. So think about artificial intelligence, which is the way we're working now on machine learning, AI, and think about that in the same way. Everything is pretty much everything is going to be better with AI. So it doesn't matter what business you're in, how could you take your business just now and apply AI to it, add AI to it as a layer in order to make you more efficient, make you more productive, do your work more creatively and do be much more competitive. So I'll give you an example here. Uh, one of my clients is, is, a, uh, is a, a company, is a tech company. They're based in, uh, well, they're headquartered in Argentina. They're actually on the stock market in New York now. And what they do is they have augmented coding. Uh, so they essentially have built an AI that watches the coder as they're coding, whether it's a website or building an app or whatever the thing is, and it sits alongside them and it goes, there's a problem there in your code. Or have you thought about doing it in this way? Or, you know, there's a quick fix or your code is not that elegant there. Maybe if you want to just change it slightly. So it's like an AI assistant. It's like if you watch the movie Iron Man, they have the Tony Stark character played by Robert Downey Jr. And he has an AI assistant called Jarvis. So together, Tony Stark and Jarvis, they build these amazing things. I so really want a Jarvis in my, my home. Exactly. So anyone could buy a, a kind of Jarvis today. You could buy like Cortana from Microsoft or there's lots of AI assistants coming around. But think about what is your industry that you work in and how could you apply AI to making it better? or to making yourself a little bit more advanced than the others. So I'll just give you an example just from my job, the work I do as a speaker. So every, nearly every presentation I give, keynote I give, I run the audience and I run my presentation through an artificial intelligence. Why do I do that? Well, I get the AI, let's say Explain. if I'm speaking to what a does room. That mean okay, so let's imagine if I'm, room, I'm speaking to a room of a thousand people, Let's say if it's an association, it's the associate, the, the internal, uh, uh, I did one the other day, the UAE Internal Association of Auditors. Uh, sorry, so Association of Internal Auditors. So these are the people within companies, big companies that look to try and avoid fraud happening with employees. So super important role. And so what I did is I just told the AI, in my case, I use IBM Watson, which you can just get off the shelf. You can use it off the shelf as an artificial intelligence. And I said to the AI, I want you to analyze this audience I'm going to be speaking to in a couple of weeks' time. I want you to tell me what their psychometrics are. I want you to tell me what their values are. 
what their hot buttons are, what their needs and the wants are. So in the case of the AI, all it does is it just goes and looks at the, the Twitter account handle of that particular conference or association. It spiders, looks at all of the accounts of all the people that follow that, and it tells me as a whole, this is your average member of that association. Now, I can do this with an individual. If I'm going to pitch a CEO, I can, if they've done an interview, a written interview, or they've done a, a video interview or a podcast, for example, I can give the AI the transcript of that, and it will basically tell me how that person thinks. It will tell me their psychometrics. It's almost like tell, if you've done DISC or Myers-Briggs or any of that stuff, it basically tells me that for that person. So I know now this person is someone that values stability very highly. Or this person is a bit of a contrarian. So I want to come. It gives you a report. Yeah, yeah. it just gives you a full report. It gives you an actual uh, a visual representation. But it gets even better than that. So basically, I now know what their hot buttons are. As a salesperson, I now I now know if I go for this and go at this angle and pitch my thing at this way, I've got a ninety percent chance of closing that sale. But then I can make it even better because what I can do is I then give the AI my draft presentation, my keynote, for example, my PowerPoint presentation. The AI looks through that presentation and it then tells me the personality or the psychometrics of my presentation. And then all I have to do is overlay the personality of my audience or my person I want to influence and then the, the, the personality of my presentation and I can see the gaps. So I can see, ah, you know, this audience here they are a lot of people in Latin America. They're more emotional, more passionate, you know, more red. So I'm going to have to, and my typical style is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more British, I guess. So I'm going to have to boof, take things much higher than that as well. Like, and so it tells me all of these little things, like this audience here as a whole, they're very analytical in their thinking. So I'm going to use more stats. Or this audience here is very open, but, you know, very uh, caring and open to adventure. So I'm going to use images of beaches and, and, and adventure and things. So it, what happens is in the audience member or the person that's watching, they're going to look and say, wow, James really gets me. He really understands mm. what I'm about, you know, and, and because I do a, a very deep level, but it's not magic. It's science. It's AI. So that's just in the job that I do as a speaker, how I use AI. Think about what that can do for your business and how you can use an AI to improve your business, close more sales, for example. So you just completely blow my mind. That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is not just a futurist, but he's living in the future. The whole idea of getting all this information with AI to me sounds incredible. I'm into technology. I'm, I, as a speaker like yourself, I don't even come close. I usually ask the organizers about the, the target audience. I usually do a little bit of research about the company and the, maybe the owner of the company, the CEO of the company. But you get AI to profile these people yeah. and then you overlay them together. This is Star Trek stuff, man. This is, um, I hope that everyone who's listening understands that this stuff exists today. Yeah. It's probably not that expensive to, to, to use no, them. No, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's a few yeah. cents few cents every time wow. you do a profile is on something. But here's the interesting thing is if you're, if you're someone watching this just now, you have to give presentations. If you speak to the, the event organizer, meeting planner, their number one job is not to get fired by their client. That's their number one job. So they're, most of them are going from a risk perspective. Uh, they're going in, how do we pick a speaker that's kind of like edgy, but safe at the same time? So, uh, so they're going in from one perspective. So I have a conversation with them and they say, oh, we just want someone that can do this and that's going to have people coming back next year and stuff. I speak to the CEO, he or she may say to me, no, James, what we really want. I don't want to take the top of their heads off when they leave that room because I, I need to shake up these people. I need to shake up these people. So, um, so that so you've got different perspectives there. And then I overlay that what the AI tells me about the audience and I can triangulate and figure out, oh, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to make the client happy, the CEO. This is how I'm going to make the event planner happy. And this is how I'm going to make the audience happy. And then you kind of like figure that out.
Yeah, you're like a uh, a plastic surgeon with AI, man. You that that to me is incredible, and I'm assuming that um, if someone has some issues in their company and they need to use AI, they might come to you to think way outside of the box as to how to apply and how to integrate AI into our company procedures. Yeah, something that I I now need to look into. So I know that yeah. my team is listening to this. My team, by next week, let's look at a, a report on how to use AI as a speaker, especially no. Watson. Well, it exactly. I mean, even, some, cool. even something like uh, there's, a, there's a tool I sometimes use. Um, it's, it's actually very inexpensive now. I think possibly even Tony Robbins is using it now. I think I started using it first, and then there's other speakers, other people are starting to use it. And it was uh, where it works is it's um, about qualifying buyers. So let's imagine you have a website and you have a, a coaching business. And so you get inquiries in all the time, or you're getting people joining your list or buying your ebook or downloading your free report or whatever the thing is. Now, what you want to try and do is you want to figure out which ones of those are most likely to convert to a buyer. That's what you're trying to do. So if you have a sales team, or even if it's you, if you're the only salesperson, you only really want to get on a call with someone that has the highest possible chance of buying your coaching program, for example. So this is how we use AI to do that. We bring people into the funnel. They can, their lead, they, they, you generate that lead. However you generate it, even at live events, if you, when you start doing virtual live events, the email comes in, you then have an AI, you give it a name, Clara. So Clara then starts having an email correspondence with this person. Hey, I noticed you downloaded our, our free report. Just wanted to check, blah, 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 blah. And they actually start having an email conversation with this prospect. What they're looking for is they're looking for certain words and phraseology. They're also looking at the email address. So um, to be able to type back to things like LinkedIn and their credit rating and stuff like that. And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll be able to identify within two emails or so, this client here, this person here, has a good chance of converting if I can get them on a call with a salesperson. And they'll say, hey, let's, let's set up a time for you to have a conversation with Sue, our sales agent. And then the AI already has Sue's calendar, you know, so it basically just schedules that call. So the sales agent just sees all these calls coming in the time, but they've been qualified. These are now qualified calls. And those who are frankly never going to buy, they just get maybe sent free resources and other things, and you kind of move them on a different place. So it allows you to become much, much more efficient. So, so even when I look at like an AI, I can, if I get an email in, for example, as a speaker and, and the AI sees it, it can see it. And the AI will see a word like, we would like to invite you. Okay. When if someone uses the word invite you, that usually means that it's not as high a payer as a speaker because and the AI has done this based upon lots and lots of data and lots of communication. Um, then it will look at the email address, for example, and it will, it will look at how we, they're using their, their, their language and they'll look at the email address and it will tie that back to their uh, social media account. And let's say, oh, this, this person here works at Cisco. Cisco's 10,000 employees and more. They have a budget. They're more likely to book someone as me as a speaker. If it's just joeblogs at gmail.com, they have a much less chance of probably paying the kind of fees I would charge as a speaker. So that might go into a different funnel and a different type of conversation, more email. They're not going to get on a call with me, for example. I might give them to a, a bureau partner, for example, instead, and let the bureau partner warm them up. Um, so you can see how you're basically using this to segment up your audience as they come in. So you know that the calls that you jump on, your time is really valuable, goes back to productivity again, that the calls that you do do, you have the most chance of those people converting. This is completely blowing my mind. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, listening on this. Um, James makes it sound super easy. James, you went into some detail there of what AI could do. And I'm, I'm, I'm usually an optimist, but I'm sometimes a skeptic. I want to try this out myself. I want to see how easy it is to actually to do it ourselves and to actually see if we need to bring in like a technician or some sort of a, a, an engineer or a software engineer or a specialist. No, this, this is the thing. Figure all that. This is the thing. The, the generation one of all, I mean, AI has been going since 1956. So the early generations, you had to like really understand the code and you had to have someone that knew 
Python and all that stuff. I don't do any of that. I don't code. I don't know any of those things. All I know is um, I know what I want to achieve, my goal, and, and I, I know enough to be dangerous uh, in terms of the, the technology. And these things are off the shelf. Go to conversica.com for a few hundred dollars a month. You can buy what I just described to you off the shelf. Give the AI a name. It starts having those conversations. You know, connect it to your Google Calendar for your sales teams, for example. Let it start running your leads. Let it start going through all of your cold leads, perhaps, as well. Start warming up some people. Um, so all these things are available now. So it's like Crazy. electricity. Like I mentioned at the start, it used to be you had to understand how electricity works. I don't, I kind of know how electricity works, but like I just flipped a switch and it works. And then that's, that's as much as I need to know. Well, this is definitely a big part of creativity. And this is definitely something that companies could do. Um, you know, during difficult times, we need to kind of review how we assess clients. I guess companies don't have to spend as much money with sales teams and marketing teams. They can have AI checking things out. So it's a very creative way to think outside of the box and the way you want to make money and the way you want to save money, which is very, very important. I love that. James, if we switch it around and look at some of the maybe, you know, the mistakes that people are making, because for me, you know, today I sat down with some people here in Bali uh, some important business people who believe it's all going to go away in one month. And they literally are saying, no, it's okay. We just wait one month. And then in August, everything will happen. Everything will be okay. You know, tourism will come back in. I'm like, I, you know, okay, guys, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist, but I don't see that happening. So there's some mistakes that people are making where they're not activating their, you know, their, their creative genius. What is the, what is the opposite of being creative and being resourceful and being productive that you see companies are actually, you see those initial steps and you probably know where it's leading. What are those top few mistakes that people should not be doing right now that is the opposite of creativity? Okay, let's go back to Serengeti. Let's go back to the jungle. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by primates, apes, chimpanzees i just i mean i'm fine i mean where, where you are just now in bali you've got loads of amazing like monkeys and things and forests and i saw I, monkeys today i drove by them next to monkey forest see I, I we don't have any in scotland but i so when things do start to unlock i actually want to start going to places and start seeing that but there's an interesting thing about primates of which we are part the key differentiator between us and other species other animals is our our adaptability and our resilience. These are the two things that separate us from lots of other species, our adaptability and our resilience. So if I look how, if, if I wanted to fail as an organism, as a species, as an animal, what would I do? I would be really fixed, not adaptable, not agile. And, and, and I would take everything on, um, you know, I, I would, I would basically take everything extremely personally. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't build resilience in the system in some way, I guess. So the, the organizations I think are going to fail horribly are, as you say, they're not adapting to this new time. Um, so here's a very simple little creative tool that you could do just now. Uh, many of people watching this know about mind maps, Tony Buzan, the inventor of mind maps, who unfortunately passed away last year. Um, so just get a little mind map, start, Stick in the middle, whatever your industry is, or let's say if I choose remote working. Okay, remote working. Okay, we're going to look at second and third order effects. So remote working in the middle. Okay, let's. So what's the effect of remote work? Let's say I'm a, I'm a tailor. Uh, sorry, I'm a. I, I work in fabrics, clothing. Okay, first effect. So clothing. Tailor. Okay, what's the effect on clothing because of remote working? Well, if anyone's you're not traveling as much now. You're not, you know, people aren't going to business meetings in the same way. People probably aren't buying as many suits. If I was a tailor, if I was mm. in the clothing suit manufacturing business, I'd be a little bit worried. If I was in the fabrics for suits, I'd be a little bit worried. But okay, well, what is going to go up? Well, when people now are going on Zoom, like we're on just now and talking, they're, they want to look professional, but at the same time, they want to be relaxed as well. So you're going to start to see the rise of leisure wear, you know, as you see in America. 
So, okay, certain types of brands are very good at that. Nike is a good brand. There is a reason why Nike's share price has been going up because they know there's going to affect. So just in your, wherever your job is, start to look at those little second effects. Okay, well, what if that happened? Well, what would the effect of that be? And you start and go for those second and third order effects and you suddenly go, oh, our business is not going to be the same. It's not going to happen. So if you're a hotel company, you know, if, if uh, there's going to be a lot of hotels, businesses are already starting to go under. Many of them are thinking about transferring themselves into co-working spaces, into apartments. Um, there's going to be huge effects in hospitality and transportation. So just start, it all starts mm. there from you and your team, just sitting there with a bit of paper or a virtual bit of paper and starting to do those second and third effects. Because the only thing that is constant is change in this, in what we do. Uh, so we have to always be a little bit further ahead than our competitors. That's a super interesting way of thinking. I like that. I saw some, uh, some questions in the chat that we have from Fololi. Uh, 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 who is asking something connected to what we're just speaking about, because, you know, some people who are listening, I guess, we have a very diverse audience who's listening. And, and I know over the next few days, we could really have people from all over the world and in all different types of businesses. Uh, we have those people who are in the corporate world, potentially taking a break right now. Company maybe is paying them, not paying them. Some of these people are saying, ah, I'll wait until I get my job back. And some people are saying, well, no way, I got to start my own business. We got the other people who are potentially entrepreneurs who are like, oh, what do I do? Okay, let's change some. Like, they got to pivot right now very quickly, some really cool iteration. And we also have those people who are, you know, freelancers, maybe one-man band, businesses, speakers, trainers, coaches, um, you know, kind of independent business people who have been managed to kind of make a business on their own. Um, if you don't have a team, where does creativity and AI come in? Because brainstorming on your own could be a little bit challenging for people. Could, I'm assuming AI could help people, but what, could you, what advice can you give to the people out there who are self, they're loners, they work alone, they're, you know, we need to help them as well, of course, in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it in so many diff different ways. I mean, just think about if you're a solopreneur and if you never intend on building a team, which is absolutely fine, um, is I mean, it? Frank, I, I think it is. I think it's absolutely fine. If if if, you, if that is your goal, there's. No, I don't believe there's anything wrong with with that. It's not my goal. I love James. I absolutely disagree with that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I don't believe in solopreneurs. Hire a team. Get partners. Oh my goodness! Ah, so, collaboration. So here's here's the thing. Let's say a solopreneur. I, I'm thinking about movie making i think i think the way that businesses will go it will be a lot like in the films and movies where you might have a director or a producer and their role is to assemble a grouping of people that will work on something for a fixed period of time nine months or six months or however long the project lasts for and then those people will disband again now some of those in those people will be part of business individual businesses it could be cgi or whatever other people could just be an editor, a great editor on themselves. So you're only really as good as your last piece of work. That's that's the thing. So the comp competitive side is going to become much, much stronger. So mm. let's say if you are, I'm going to speak to solopreneurs and then we'll kind of come into people more like ourselves with teams. For the solopreneurs thing there, the goal that you should be thinking about the whole time is your uh, what's sometimes called your EHR, your estimated hourly rate. Your goal as a solopreneur is to get that as high as you possibly can. So let's say if you, you start, you work at your hourly rate just now for what you do is, I don't know, $100 an hour, whatever your rate is, your goal is to increase that. Now that's, that's, that's really what, and so there's, there's only really a couple of ways that you can do that. One is you can reduce your hours. So you do Less hours working, but the hours you work, you're more efficient in doing that. That's one way of increasing hourly rate. Another one is you can increase uh, the, the average sale amount. So instead of someone buying your services for $5,000, they buy for $10,000, another way. Another way is you can increase the frequency. So you can just get people on a subscription, a membership, a continuity program. Instead of like my garden, instead of 
paying them to come in every you know couple of weeks and I pay them a man they could just they just I subscribe to them instead and so there's a number of things that you can do as a solopreneur but your goal if if you're a solopreneur is probably to create great work and you don't like managing other people you're maybe more of a technician something like Michael Gerber would say and that's absolutely fine and that's okay if that's your goal but you really get very clear on thinking how do I get my hourly rate because you're most of the time you're you're exchanging your time for money in some way you need to get that as high as you possibly can that's that's key and you can do things by creating intellectual property that continue to earn money for you while you're sleeping that's one way of doing that there's lots of different ways of doing it but that's your goal now for you and i maybe maybe more people on here watching we have a team so our goal is how do i leverage mm. what i do through people um and how do i give other people the chance to share this great adventure they're on to on together to be part of this adventure they're on together and this is the way i so this is just a personal opinion you may not agree with this girl i feel that businesses are just vehicles to allowing us to explore our potential and to get the best of ourselves they just yeah. they allow us to do it by working with people we have to reduce our ego you know that's mm. the deals with things like ego uh, we have to collaborate. We mm. have to have a vision, building something together. There's all these great things that come from building a business, which aren't necessarily just about the profitability as well. So if you're in that situation, if you're building a business, a team, then it's all about leverage. And once again, coming back to creativity, how can you, how can you use that creativity of all the people to push the business forward, innovation, and then also how can you ensure that everyone is most productive? Because I don't want to give a task to a human member of our team if I can get an AI to do it. Because all of my team members have got families. They've all got children. I would rather they spend that time with their families than spending it on doing some incredibly mind-numbingly boring thing. So that's another way to think about it. Your responsibility as an owner, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is to look at your team as, as fellow humans and you want to help them fully explore the, their, their biggest potential that they can possibly have. So think about how you can use things like AI, technology to make them more efficient. One is it's going to increase profitability, great, but it's also going to allow them to enjoy their job and maybe not necessarily have to show up to work specific hours every time, but just be focused on their outputs and their results, results orientated rather than just their number of hours. The whole thing of hours is going to go by the wayside. It's just going to go completely go. I think unless you're a very basic type of worker for most people, maybe people watching this, I, we just care about results. That's really what we want. We want to see, we want to see the results. Mm. Love that very, very much aligned with you on that. Uh, James, you know, knowing that you're very much up to date with technology, with solutions, uh, can you give us some hints or potentially just what applications out there right now, what's hot right now in, in AI? You mentioned Watson before, but if we look at the world of creativity, if I want to add a layer of creativity on my business this week, and I want to tell my team, guys, check out these three apps. I want one of them implemented in my company. What does that layer look like? What are the coolest applications, the coolest things, the coolest terminology, methodologies that we should be thinking about, or at least further reading into your blog, people could follow you and read more about it, or just Google these things and educate ourselves. Okay, so one of my clients just did a study and they found that during this time of lockdown, productivity amongst people that are working from home is only at 48%, sorry, sorry, sorry I'll get that wrong, 48% percent of people said that their create their their productivity and the creativity has actually declined during this time so that's a problem if your business is built upon the idea of people being productive and, and generally doing work so one of the reasons for this is something that we don't often think enough about i know you think about a lot because you're involved in event scale and you, you're very much bringing people together but what where we see often the biggest jumps in terms of new ideas is those times when you're just getting together with someone over a cup of coffee, cup of tea, glass of wine, 
and you're just, and they might be, you know, in the same organization for you. They might be in a completely different industry, like almost like what we're doing just now. And you're, and you're just talking, you're just sharing ideas and like, and what you're reading and what you're thinking about. And they're saying, well, what about if you did that with this? And what, this, this is the, this is the power of, of the mastermind. This is the value of, of having a mastermind. Now what's happened is in a lot of organizations, that used to happen in the coffee breakout rooms, in the, you know, the water cooler moments, all those kind of serendipitous meetings. And what many organizations didn't think about and they haven't done is they haven't created that in a virtual space. So many of the big companies I work with, they're now thinking, how do we create, when creativity we call a third place, um, a place that's not quite your work, not quite your home, where you can get just together to exchange ideas, to network, mm-hmm. to debate, to discuss ideas. This is something that goes back ancient Greeks. They had something called symposiums, just means for the Greek means to drink together, where they get together over a glass of wine, discuss the ideas of the day. Oh, that's interesting. Or you might in, in Vienna, you'd have the coffee shops, Cafe Central, where all the great philosophers and Mahler and the composers would get together and they would just like riff on ideas. Or 1920s, Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Pablo Picasso. Or in Silicon Valley, there's certain places there people just kind of get together to hang, you know, uh, Summit Series, for example. So think about your own team. What can you do to create that type of dynamic which doesn't necessarily have an end goal in mind, but is a way to just like discuss ideas. In our case, we do things like pizza parties. So all my, many of my team in the Philippines, we buy them all pizzas for the families, get them to, and then we come together on Zoom like this and we just riff, you know, we just like, like what's happening? Like what have you been reading recently? What's been interesting? Oh, I saw this. And well, what do we think is going to happen with that? Um, and then you bring people that aren't in your organization who are just have a different perspective on things as well. Once again, this is what a good mastermind does. This is mm. what a mastermind is about. When you have those different perspectives and people are asking questions and being curious and pushing you and you're seeing how, wow, look at what they're doing in that industry. How could that apply to what I do? How could that grow our business? So whether you do something f- like in a formal, formal sense, you know, get involved in a mastermind, join a mastermind, do it that way. Or whether in your own organization, you put something together um, virtually, try and build that, build that third place in, your, in what you do. I love that so much. First of all, you said a lot of things that are resonating with me. And I know that a couple of my team members are, are watching right now as well. So I hope everybody is making notes. These are very, very simple, actionable things that could be done. Um, is there a... Um, a good source of additional information about this that people can get if they want to follow you, if they want to get more, are you uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, podcasts, books? How do people get a lot more of James Taylor if they want to, you know, they want to yeah. absorb a lot more of you? So all, all of those places, probably the, the, the kind of hub of everything in the middle is go to jamestaylor.me, jamestaylor.me. And that just brings you into the world. We've got the podcast. You can see all the videos. We've got resources there as well. That's, that's, a, that's a, a good place. In terms of social media, I've actually been cooling a little bit recently um, on, on a lot of social media. That's as we're filming this just now. I find that there's quite a lot of anger within social mm-hmm. media. And, and I, don't, I don't really want to particularly engage in a lot of that stuff. And, um, and I'm, I'm a kind of positive person i like being around other positive people and people are going to challenge i want people to challenge me with things but there's a lot of anger for anger's sake and so as a result i've actually probably decreased my social media stuff over the past i will come back and i'll I'll see how things go i think we're just going through one of those cycles just now there's a lot there's there's Mm. quite a lot of anger because people are worried um you know they're they're very unsure what's going on in in the world at the moment they're they're and and uh, classic thing is to, you know, to fight out, like just to, to attack, you know, the fight and flight uh, kind of response. And I think things will start to calm down a little bit. People will start to be a bit more reflective. You're starting to see this already. They'll come together in groupings like this, where you can have slightly more interesting kind of conversations than you would necessarily having on social media. So just go to jamestaylor.me. You can find all the social media stuff from there as well. Yeah, I'm completely with you on the uh, social media side of things. I've been, uh, 
trying to be active in different ways. You know, people are looking for certainty. They're looking for solutions. And, you know, my advice to people is to stay in touch, to find new mentors that they can learn from, to connect with positive people who are thinking outside of the box. This is why I was super excited that you, I know how busy you are and that you made some time to connect with us and add value to our community because during these challenging times or during any challenging time we have in life, whether we're having a difficult time in business and, 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 and someone has a difficult time, in, like right now in marriage, people are having a lot of difficult times. I think as long as you think creatively uh, and, you know, and you really think positively about coming out of this situation you know, in a peaceful way and in a stronger way, I want to come out of this uh, situation right now in the world you know, wiser and yeah. stronger than ever before. So I love what you've shared with us and I appreciate it. I know that um, you mentioned masterminds quite a few times and a big part of our mastermind space community is watching right now. If people were interested in, in you know, being in a mastermind with you, you know, in, in, in the coming near future, what, what could they expect? What sort of, you know, what would we go into and, you know, what sort of answers, solutions, insights can they get from you that's a lot deeper than what we've covered today? So that when, when I, I, I coach people as well, but in the case of a mastermind, there's obviously the value in the, the overall, the, the mind meld, you know, however you call it, of, of, of the grouping as well. The, the way I, whenever I've been involved in masterminds in the past, as a mastermind, someone being there and also someone that's kind of started them. And the thing is, I feel when anyone is looking for a solution or help on a particular thing, it's important to know where they're starting from because like my conversation, let's say in a mastermind, if we had a grouping of mastermind, my, if your challenge, because I get to know you, I know where you're at. I know where you're at in your business. Whereas Sue is in a different place in her business. And so I think that's one of the values from these kind of smaller masterminds is you can really get to understand where everyone's at in their business, where, and they're on their journey. And then you can then, give very specific feedback that is mm. at the right place at the right time. Because one of the challenges, we don't have a lack of information in the <laughs> at the moment. That's one thing we don't have a lack of, but we do have a lack of context um, and of being able to say, listen, I know where you're at. And frankly, see all that other stuff over there, ignore it for just now because you're, you don't need that. You're either too far ahead or you, you'll, you'll get to it. This is what to focus on now. I mean, you can, you can travel a whole journey on a road, like a thousand miles on a road, only just by seeing what the, in the first hundred yards in front of you. But you need to have someone that's walking alongside you saying, okay, this is where we're going. This is the focus. This is what you need to focus on now. Ignore all that other stuff. It's going to be a distraction for you. And I think that's one of the key, key things that a mastermind can do for you. I love that. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. You know, for me, masterminds is very, very simple. It activates the collective genius. And if you have geniuses in the room like you, just the collective is just going to be risen to a whole different level. I know I've been in many, many times I've been in the same room with you. And I think that you bring the level of, of geniusness. Is that a word even geniusness? Uh, you, you, you bring the level of authenticity, the level of creativity, the level of out-of-the-box thinking and solution, really you bring it to the table. And I think that's the most important thing these days in business where you'd be looking at a case and most people, entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, have their eyes so deeply on the product or on the solution itself, they don't see the outside world. And I think especially, you know, knowing what you do today, the fact that you're looking at so many cases in the world constantly, you still super active compared to most of the speakers I know you're constantly getting on stages you're coaching people you're, you're absolutely you're a change maker that's supporting the world I think that if someone connects with you personally they'll end up getting your wisdom from all these existing customers right now it's not like a case from three years ago it's a case from last week it's an existing yeah. business and you know one of the things that I've learned a lot actually from Jay Abraham I know he's also you know, you're a fan of his. Jay has always taught me that whatever situation I'm in business right now, whatever problems I'm having in my business, I could look at completely different businesses in the world and apply lessons from them to my business. And I think this is one of the greatest things that you can add value to people is you can apply, you know, 
the solutions and opportunities from all of these different businesses and industries onto the person who's in front of you right now. Yeah, you know, one final thing, please. giving Jay a credit here. I've actually just finished reading again for the second time. Everything you can get from everything you've got, I think was the name of the book uh, that he wrote. Um, and sometimes when you work with somebody in a mastermind or you read a book, it's like, it could just be one idea. Mm. One idea is you're away from like things just completely blowing up and really like going to a different level in your business. Just that one idea that one perspective can make all the difference i love that so everybody who's with us currently on zoom is going to hold on so are you please james everyone who's listening everyone else thank you so much james taylor in the house james it was an absolute pleasure to go through this interactive interview with you everyone else is going to get a little a few questions that they uh that they have for you to ask you so everyone on facebook and online thank you for joining and Follow up with James, connect with James, jamestaylor.me. You'll find him, you'll connect with him, and he'll blow your mind.